Hello, and welcome to episode 73 of Flicks in a Six. I'm one of your hosts, Anthony Costanzo, with me, forever and always, the man, the myth, boy, Alessandro Bielsi. Say hello, Al. Did I do Snake Face? <laughs> we, oh my god. On this week's episode, we get a tidbit on the Batman, have a quick discussion about M. Night Shyamalan's movies, find out that 2019 is going to be a big year for us, and check in on what we're watching, all before diving into our flick of the week, Bird Box. But first, Al, what are we drinking? Are we doing 2019 talk? Actually, I meant to tell you that, and I was a little haphazard. I, I had everything, and I just tripped right before the finish line. I, I, mean, I don't know if you looked look at my notes page, but it is professional as fuck right now. I don't, I don't look at your notes page. I, did, I actually did one thing differently for my notes, in that I actually separated my notes on the movie in pre- and post-spoiler. <laughs> I didn't bother doing that, and they're still not necessarily in chronological order for how I want to talk about them. Chronological. Chronological order. Chronological order for how I want to talk about them, because Uh I do allow myself, since we kind of give and take, when you bring up something, I'll jump to that, so it doesn't really matter. That's fair. Um, But what I did do is, considering there is some stuff I want to pull straight from an article, like a professional, I pulled those paragraphs out rather than have through. Smart. Like I told you, I came ready to go. And the whole point was, I was going to jump in the shower, I was going to eat, I was going to come down, be ready to go, everything ironed out, and instead, me and my dad had to uh, talk on the phone for about 45 minutes about the idiotic coach that the Jets, or the idiotic decision on coaching hire that the Jets just made. So any of you who are listening to this in a couple of days, you'll have had more time to cope with that than I have had, which was nearly immediately after. Um, you know, I'm adrenaline was rushing because I just got done at the gym. Um, so you, but, wait, hang on. You're telling me that the Jets are the reason that you know we start this call up, and then I see you no shirt, chomping on carrots and chicken. Just well, you were gonna see me no shirt regardless. I guess that's fair. I'm still not willing to accept it. I I don't know. It's been it's well, we were 73 you, episodes deep. The show's been off like for it. about 70 of those episodes. <laughs> you don't have to like it, but you know it's gonna happen. That's, that's not a new variable. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> what are anyway. we drinking? Well, the reason I was saying I had that brief thing there is, are we going to talk 2019 stuff? Some of the what's coming, what's to come? We are, because I came, across, I came across a list of 10 movies, which were exciting, and, and I didn't even dig deeper than that, so I thought it would be, I thought it was worthwhile to go over at least that list. Okay. Well, I meant more about what we have planned specifically for the show. Oh, no, no. That's, that stuff we're just going to, we're just going to roll out. I'm going to offer a little teaser to the, to the yeah, I'm fine with you that. I mean, high level, because you and I still haven't ironed out the specifics. That's true. Um, I'm hoping folks have recovered from our holiday episode. Yes. Um, I heard that some people struggled nearly as much as you. Yeah. I've heard some other people were excited to hear that struggle. (laughs) Um, As well as referring it to some people to listen to if they want to get a taste for what we've been doing lately. It is some of our (laughs) finest and worst work. (laughs) Well, with the perk, with the, the caveat that... What we are talking about is one of the worst things ever. Um, and if you're listening to this and you haven't listened to that and don't know what we're talking about, again, I will not tell you what it was. You must go back and find it. It's the Untitled Holiday episode. The title has been redacted of the movie that we did. Uh, it was a joy to listen to again six months after we recorded it. Right. Um, that being said, all a long-winded introduction to the beer of the week, which is Fixed Gear American Red IPA. Uh, that's brewed and bottled by Lakefront, Lakefront Brewery. Uh, it's it from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, which is nice because a lot of the best Wisconsin beers don't ever make it out of the state. Mm. We're looking at you, New Glarus. Um, Are we? <laughs> well, I am because... Is that where I'm looking? Yeah, I see you. I see you. 
Anyway, uh, it was established in 1987, which is uh, something that Anthony brought to my attention right before we got on there. Um, <laughs> established one year before me. When I was gonna, I was gonna refrain. <laughs> I was gonna refrain. I, le- I left that up to your discretion. That's fine. Um, this alcohol, by volume, six point eight percent. This beer uh, does not have much of a story, unfortunately. But uh, cheers. Let's drink it. Cheers. Better clinking sound effects. We're up to a good start. Not as IPA as I would have expected. I would have just called this if you just gave this to me to blind taste test. I would have guessed it was just a red ale. Yeah. Like an Irish red. Sure. It's it's good. Um, Tasty, just not what I expected. I expected a little bit more like an IPA. Can you take a big whiff of that? Something funky. And I don't know if it's my glass or the beer. <laughs> what what is it that you detect? Or you I know don't know. <laughs> Pennies? <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, which actually isn't terribly uncommon, I think. Okay. In what? In reds or or in beer? Beer writ beer. large. I, mean, I was just reading in my the homework that I do to, to improve myself as a brewer. Uh, I try to read a fair amount about beer and the making of beer. Sure. And that was featured in something I read recently. And I don't remember what the context was. It's because I threw all those pennies in there. You're eating a chicken wing. <laughs> you have no proof of that. You're the worst. I'm, I'm recording this. The whole no, thing. Eh, I don't, you no, don't know. Maybe I have a little side project that I'm going to put together. Little... I mean, we haven't discussed that. <laughs> you discuss. At least it's not tacos. Um, for those of you who have been following me for a while. You you're you may be familiar with the taco episodes of the shit show, which were just were just horrible. They're just hard to get through. Anyway, is, this is pretty I good. Always, I always self modulate because I'm gonna be crunching on some carrots later. But I'm gonna hit the mute button when I do that. Most you are. No one would have known that I was eating the chicken. If you didn't I I tacos. appreciate that you're only a savage to my eyes and not to our listeners. Correct. I respect our listeners. <laughs> well, I'll leave the rest unsaid. Awesome. So uh, this is just a, uh, <laughs> this is a perfectly okay beer. I'll give it my general thumbs up. I would drink it again. I'm not, like, over the moon about it. No, this is um pretty plain, all things considered. I've heard of fixed gear before. I don't think I've ever had any of those beers, maybe once. Yeah. Um, I don't think I've ever had this one before. It's perfectly tasty. If someone gave it to me to drink again, I wouldn't be offended. But it hasn't been <laughs> I wouldn't be. I don't think you'd be offended by much beer being handed to you. Um, Unless it well, was that one you poured out that one time. Oh, general, oh God. The, 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 the most cruel betrayal of all was that fact that I made that one. It was the taste um, of betrayal. It was. Oh, it tasted like a lot of things. Betrayal amongst them, I guess. <laughs> um, speaking of beers that hopefully won't betray me, uh, uh, nearly a week ago I made... So it's only been one week since you guys have heard an episode from us, but it's been a couple of weeks since we recorded one. Yeah. Um, I officially made the first ever beer that will be sold under the Owl's Ales banner. Awesome. Um, Very excited. I think it came out pretty excellently, as far as I can tell, before I get to taste it. Okay. Um, I'm pretty excited to try it when it's done. Um, and if anyone wants to dabble in some Owl's Ales, um, you, you know where to find us online. You do. Uh, you can we'll make that work. Twitter. You can send us an email. Do we still have the email? Yeah. You can send us an email. You can DM us on Twitter. Um, and we'll talk Yes, sir. 
Yes, sir. I'm excited. I'm excited for this. New, excited. new adventures. New adventures. Uh, this is Ale's Nitwit, right? <laughs> no. I'm probably not going to call it nitwit. I think you're going to have to call it nitwit. Despite the fact that it is a Belgian wit, I will not be calling it nitwit. <laughs> I, so I originally meant to call it Al's nitwit, but I spelt it ale, but I still made it possessive. And I caught it before I sent you the message, but then realized it was a stroke of genius and sent it to you anyway. I had one of those the other day, and it was like, you, like you remember the ride home from us going to see Aquaman? Mm-hmm. And I did that thing where I made a great double entendre, and I didn't realize I was doing it. Yep. Um, I did that in text form, except it was an autocorrect, where I don't remember what it was, but it was texting with me and my brother, and um, I, uh, I sent something that had, like, an autocorrect that made an incredible double <laughs> entendre, and it was completely unintentional. You're like, I'll allow it. And he's like, and he's like laughing, and I went back and I was like, "What are you laughing about?" And I looked at it, and I was like, "Oh shit, that was perfect." <laughs> Speaking of wordplay, let's get into one of these stories that I have here, and that's about M Night Shyamalan movies. Uh, so, we are probably going to be doing Glass at some point, and I imagine that what we should do is we should just do like a triple movie episode. We'll just do the whole series. As of right now, the embargo just lifted a couple hours ago. Yes, and that's really where I'm getting at is. Uh, I haven't read through the reviews. As you know, I will not read it until I see it. Uh, I will read your headlines, though, and of general readings. Um, lots of mixed results. A couple of really horrible things, though, that I need to point out right now. This is from EW.com, and this is the title of the uh, of the review. M. Night Shyamalan's glass is half empty. <laughs> stop it. <laughs> Just stop it. I saw one. I think it was the one on IGN. I don't think it was in the title of the article itself. I think it was the subtitle. And to paraphrase, the joke was something along the lines of the narrative shatters into a billion pieces or something yep, like that. Yeah, I saw that one. I saw that one. There was another one that really bothered me that said, uh, reviews on glass are split. <laughs> and I was just, just, that's enough. <laughs> and I'm, we'll have our own terrible ones, but I'm actually looking forward to seeing this. Um, yeah, you're not I, the wrong person considering I do this literally every week with our episode titles. That's true. I re- yeah, that's right. Uh, I don't know. I feel like yours are a little bit more clever than that. Sometimes. Sometimes they're just I, on the nose. <laughs> I, I try to. I really try to until I realize that I just can't, and that's when you get the on the nose one. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, th- so this past week, actually in the past three days, I watched Split and Unbreakable again. I have not got around to seeing Split yet. I have. I saw Unbreakable like a month or two ago. Okay, so I'm, I'm, I'm caught up is what I'm saying. So I'm ready to watch this movie and then do an episode on all of them together as one. I don't think they, they will each take their own episode i think one episode all three really it's probably gonna be like one third unbreakable slash split and then two thirds yeah yeah probably something like that um which to just get a primer to it we'll we'll make happen and that so that's actually two of my topics rolling into one the other one was going to be things we're watching sometimes i'd like to check in on that you like to check in on that and that's why i I brought this up unbreakable and split i'm actually more curious to talk less about what we're watching and more what we're looking forward to watching okay well, actually, I do have to say, I'm no, what I'm no longer watching is Lovesick, because I'm done. You I've, I've passed you. <laughs> I've completed yeah, well, you passed me, and then I figured I'd probably leapfrog you back, because I watched a bunch of episodes the other day. But I'm on the season two finale, wow. and I figured probably roughly in the same spot. No. So, you, the fact that you laughed so hard at what I said, I figured that meant you probably saw <laughs> what I was talking about. <laughs> when Angus is playing craps. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. <laughs> and, Guys, so, I don't know if we said it on air yet, but me and Anthony have been talking about this for a couple weeks now. 
on Netflix is a show called Love Sick. It's a like a British like like comedy. It's British Friends. It's, it, what? It's British Friends. I said British New Girl. Yeah, that's fair too. I said New Girl if Edgar Wright did it, basically. Yeah. Um, there's only three seasons. They're half hour episodes. The, all seasons are eight or six episodes, so. You can knock it out in a good weekend. Yeah, it's a it's so worth it. It's an easy and very entertaining short watch, and it is definitely a contender for binging, which is what we inadvertently had done with it. I was like, you should watch the show, and I was like, okay. And then Kim and I were like trying to decide something to watch, and we were tossed between a few things. Uh, one, we were going to start rewatching Game of Thrones and catch ourselves up right before uh, the new season airs, and then that felt like a chore. So we, we decided against that, and it was like, oh, well, the show Al recommended, the episodes are only 20-ish minutes. We could do that. I'm pretty sure we watched the first season that night. <laughs> That's how I did it when I started watching. Um, and actually, I think I watched, I watched the entire first season in one night, and then I watched seven of the eight episodes of season two in one night. It's, I've only watched it on two separate nights. It's so entertaining. I'm, I'm sad it's over. I'm, I need more. I know, it's, it was one of those things where it's like, oh, this is easy, I can get into this, and yeah. I was like, no, 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 this is too easy. Yeah, dangerous. That show is a delight. It is, it is a delight. <laughs> oh my god. That line is going to be the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love it. You should definitely check that out. Give it, give it, I don't know, give it three episodes. Um, that's less than, is, that's less than a feature length. I was hooked by the end of the first episode. No, I say if you give it three episodes, you're probably going to end up finishing the first season that night. Which is basically what happened with me. It's yeah. Like, oh, it's... Like, I'll watch an episode or two of this, and then all of a sudden the whole season was done. I was like, oh, that was like watching a long movie. You know what I love about that show is the the dialogue delivery is so... Um, the timing. Like, it's like, it's constant, right? They're constantly delivering lines, like, really, at a rapid pace, which is... Which can be hit or miss, but all of the dialogue is tends to, it's like tends to be so clever. That was what that's why I made the Edgar Wright yeah. comment about it. Because it was like snappy, like the that's like the patter of the banter is like quick firing back and forth. And obviously with that like snarky, like ironic right. a lot of that stuff like and it, it's it's it is hysterical. There's some feels. Constantly making digs at each other, but they also would oh, yeah. die for each other. They're just, they're so great. I, I love all the characters. You, I fell in love with them within the first episode. <laughs> it's awesome. I absolutely loved it. Uh, but anyway, that's that's what I was watching. So what are you looking forward to watching? <laughs> uh, oh, do we want to do this first or do we want to tackle what you started off with? That was re- that's really where I was, that's where I was going. That's what I'm okay. watching. That's fine. Well, yeah, that's more. what I've, I've been watching and I'll be finished with soon, I, I guess. Um, as well as the fact that I've uh, passed the halfway mark with The Sopranos. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And, but no, but looking forward, I was looking at some stuff, you know, with what's to come in 2019. Some of it I don't care about too much. Some of it I do care about. Um, the stuff that, you know, we're used to, especially, you know, Game of Thrones coming back. Super excited for that, obviously. Yeah. Uh, the Punisher comes out in, like, eight or nine days or something like excited that. Excited about that. I feel like I'm going to have to actually get through daredevil first though and I, I don't mean that to sound like a chore i just haven't gotten to it yet yeah i would probably recommend it because i know karen is back in it again uh, okay yeah so i imagine that it'll take place concurrently or after that makes sense season two of daredevil um three and season three you're right um but no what really made me think about this was i'd seen a few things where i'm like oh i'm kind of interested in that kind of interested in that there's one, just really one thing I want to highlight that is upcoming, I know almost nothing about, 
I also forgot to bring up the story I saw on it, uh, which I'm going to do as I announce it, and that is the new show coming out from Alex Garland. And for those of you oh, who are yeah. not... Oh, yeah, I remember you talking about this. <laughs> yes, uh, the show is called Devs, as in, like, developers. Sold. Um, <laughs> yes, um, so I brought this up when we did our episode of Annihilation. Well, I know. <laughs> roughly April-ish of last year. Um, Wait. Maybe March. Really? Yeah. Holy crap. I feel like we just did that episode. <laughs> yeah, no, it was nearly a year ago. Probably ten months ago. Good lord. Um, what is time? And so I was looking because I was talking about those two movies with... Someone was asking about something... Asking for a recommendation of like something kind of outside the box. So sure. Boy, have I got the recommendation <laughs> Boy, have I got the movie for you. <laughs> Movies, because I told mm. them, watch X Machina first. Mm-hmm. It'll get you a, kind of a good entry point to him and his weird mind. And then, Balsa Wall, Annihilation. Yes. Watch X Machina, okay? The blood pressure is rising. Here's Annihilation and Heart Attack. <laughs> um, and I was like, you know what? Let me look up that show that he's supposed to be doing, because I feel like I haven't heard anything since it was initially announced. Um, and again, there's still very little details, but apparently there was a big press release um, in... August of last year. Mm. Um, it's still going to be released at some point in 2019, to the best of my knowledge. Okay. I don't know exactly when yet, though. They haven't officially announced it. It'll Do be you on FX. FX, okay. Um, so I will give you the synopsis. Devs, which had previously been ordered to pilot at FX, follows a young computer engineer, Lily Chan, as she investigates the secretive development division of her employer, a cutting-edge tech company based in San Francisco, whom she believes are behind the murder of her ex-boyfriend. Yeah. Oh, sorry, not her ex-boyfriend, her boyfriend. Um, FX has given the series... Wow, moving on pretty quick there, lady. <laughs> yeah, FX has given the series an eight-episode order. Um, Alex Garland serves as writer and will executive produce, along with Andrew McDonald and Alan Reich of DNA TV, as well as Eli Bush and Scott Rudin, with whom he partnered with on the films Annihilation and Ex Machina. The series will be produced by FX Productions. Hmm. Um, so they released a series of... Um, actors and actresses who will be some of the main characters. Uh, I will read you those things quickly as well. Excellent. Sonoya Mizuno will play Lily Chan. Um, for those of you who don't recognize that name, because I didn't, um, she worked with Alex Garland in his other two films. She was the... Well, I don't want to give away too much of the, the plots, obviously. In Ex yeah. Machina, she was um, his assistant. Mm-hmm. Um, who does not speak much in that movie, if at all. Um, as well as, to those of you who don't know, I will say that she was also in Annihilation, though you would not have known it was her, because you never see her face in that movie. And She's the bear? Was, nope. <laughs> I don't want to spoil anything, no, I know. so even I can discuss off air. <laughs> Actually, she was the flower deer. Uh, <laughs> um, Nick Offerman will play Forrest. Forrest is the CEO Sign of me up. Sign me up. <laughs> whose obsession is the covert work of the company's development division. Um, and then there's Jin Ha, who will play Jamie, a gifted cybersecurity specialist who is Lily's former boyfriend. Um, Zach Grenier, Stephen McKinley Henderson, uh, Kaylee Spaney, I don't know any of these people, are other people who are going to play main characters. Uh, the last name on here, I do know. And that's Allison Pill, who will play Kit oh. Katie. She's a gifted quantum physicist, tapped by Forrest to be his second-in-command at Amaya. Um, for those of you who don't know who Allison Pill is, uh, what I know her best from is The Newsroom, where mm-hmm. she played Maggie. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and she's been in a handful of other things as well. Yeah, she was also in Vice, if you're on the current movie scene, uh, which is uh, something oh, that I would encourage you to go see. It's I a, forgot that she was in that. Um, and well she was also movie. in Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Yes, and, she was. Which I did not recognize her the first two times I saw it. Uh, <laughs> that's, a, that's actually Vice and Into the Spider-Verse are two other things that I have been watching <laughs> this past <laughs> week. It's been, a, it's been a week or stuff. I'm excited for that show. Me too. Uh, uh, the very second that I find out when that is going to be released, uh, I will be informing you. Yeah, I, that works. I'm super excited to watch that show. I really, you know what, I really do love, I've, I've got this great thing going for me, where when important things happen, or things that would be important to me, I don't even have to keep an eye out. Because I've got you. You keep an eye out, and then you keep me abreast of the situation. It's great. I have your personally curated uh, list of important I things. do appreciate that. I do appreciate it. Including, but not limited to, the Mountain Vodka commercial <laughs> that you sent oh, me today. Which, incredible. if you have not seen this, you absolutely need to look it up. Vodka, by the Mountain, from Game of Thrones. Go, just, just Google it. It's so worth it. It's only like 90 seconds. Even if you don't have any context, it would be funny. Yes. But if you have the context, it's hilarious. Infinitely more funny. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well done. Uh, so... That's something that you're looking forward to in 2019. Are there other shows that are coming out? Uh, there were other things that are... Oh, the other new show uh, that I'm interested in... Um, well, two things that are coming out soon. One, which is the return of True Detective mm. with Mahershala Ali. Um, I really... I like that guy. I, he's a good actor. Um, yeah. So I'm very curious to see that after never having watched the second season, which was almost universally panned. I watched the uh, first two episodes and I said... I've got better things to do with my time. I was in on like, the trailer of the first season, mm -hmm. and I watched the whole first season oh, as yeah. it released, and it was phenomenal. That first season was incredible. That was that was TV. <laughs> yes, yes, it was. So I'm excited. It's for actually that. HBO. Um, and like a week after that will be the debut of a limited series on TNT, which it seems like that's really all they're doing now, other than that show Animals that I never watched, and I don't know a single person who watches, but apparently it's regarded well. Um, it's the debut of I Am The Night, featuring Chris Pine and other people, um, and it's a story that's loosely based on a true story about the Black Dahlia murders. In, oh, okay. Uh, um, I think it's a six or eight episode limited series, it'll only be that one season, which much like The Alienist, which came out last year, which was really good, uh, yeah. I'm looking forward to this one. I'm, I'm torn. I, I, I think a uh, limited series is a, is a cool thing that exists, because... I love the closed loop of a movie, generally closed loop of a movie. I know sometimes there's sequels and sometimes there's open endings, but I like the sit down, experience the story, be done with it. I also appreciate a good story like a like a Game of Thrones or something, an hour long, a nice meaty show, right, that yeah. you can get into that you look forward to uh, each episode after the next. But on it, I mean, you you're probably different than me in this regard with Game of Thrones. When that when that show ends. I'm good. I'm I'm done for a while. I've went through some emotional turmoil, and I'm ready for a little bit of a break before the next season. And then there's then there's your love six, right? There's your thirty minute. Throw this on. It's, I just like that we have all this variety. Uh, the limited series is not something that I've really gotten too much into. There's a number of them that I want to watch. So I agree. I've been kind of the same way, um, but I enjoyed the alienness. And honestly, I didn't really need that much more from that show. Sure. Um, I, if you had told me that the cast of characters would be back to solve another mystery, I would have come back to watch it because it was well-written and 
very well acted by a very good cast of actors and actresses. Um, but I, I'm, again, with this sort of thing, even probably more um, closed, you know, loop, because it's, while the actual events may be more fictionalized, in the sense that, um, from the best I can understand, they never caught the Black Dahlia murderer. <laughs> um, it's, it's, you know, based even more in fact, with more factually, you know, relevant people than the Alienist show, right. which was based on some real stuff, but with very f- fictional people at the center of it. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but uh, I'm curious about it, and I only just heard, I've been seeing commercials about it for a while, but uh, I only just heard out heard about it now that um, Patty Jenkins is actually, I think, the showrunner on this. Oh. Um, which means her and Chris Pine are working together again, which is kind of cool. She yeah. was the director of Wonder Woman and the new Wonder Woman that's coming out later this year. Sweet. Wait, new Wonder Woman is later this year? Uh, I thought so. Huh. I just, I feel like with the barrage of superhero news that is constantly <laughs> on my feed, I would have heard that, but for some reason, that's escaped me. Well, I think at this point that one will sell itself. That's fair. And also, it's not suffered from any of the turmoil of any of the other DC movies. Oh my god. I... That's you know what yeah we, we have our we have our problems with DC we've talked about them at length I've and I've talked about this particular thing this is a Marvel issue that I have and it's not it has nothing to do with Marvel it's the goddamn theories I there's so many every day and I just just stop it <laughs> it's just it's enough already why this person thinks I don't yeah I don't care <laughs> just wait till the movie comes out we will watch the movie we'll enjoy it it's gonna be great. Uh, or at least it's something that's like real. Like wait till like another trailer comes out or something. While we are talking superheroes, a short a short segment here. Uh, some information about Matt Reeves, the Batman. <laughs> and I've been, you know, that I've been not excited about this. I I love my Batman, but I've not been excited about this because I'm I'm exhausted. I think unwittingly Aquaman has sparked my enthusiasm again for even a little bit. I'm still I'm still being very cautious. But I read this article that I thought was really interesting about what he wants to do with his character that they haven't done on screen before. And that is play the world's greatest detective side of it. Which I think is a cool thing, and I think it could be fun to explore. The thing that holds me back is that it's still in that universe that it's currently in. Is it? I mean, it, it's all part of that same... I mean, by the time they start shooting that movie, if ever, <laughs> right. will it really be in that universe anymore? It won't be Ben Affleck. That's a good question. I don't know, but I mean, as of right now, I would assume so. They're not, like, tearing down the universe. Why, why can't they? If they, uh, can, they, if they can, they can. The Suicide Squad Joker <laughs> and reboot the Joker again again. Oh, that's a good point. I haven't thought about that. Huh. Who knows? I guess all bets are off. I guess all bets are off. I am curious, but don't, do they have somebody to play him? Um, who? Batman. No. <laughs> <laughs> because they, I think they talked about starting shooting in 2019, but they no, don't have... Remember, I told you um, when we recorded about a month or so ago that they were expecting a workable script by the end of the year to be delivered. Hmm. Like, by the end, like, within the past week or two. Well... I will say that was at least one thing that sparked my interest was actually focusing on 
the detective part of it, I think would be really cool. And at the same time, I'm not sure if you're all familiar with Batman, the Pete Holmes Batman skits. Yeah, but oh, fantastic. There's just one where he just shouts, "I'm the world's greatest detective," <laughs> and you, it, I that's that's what immediately what I thought of. But then I thought of how how cool it could actually be if they went into that kind of like the uh, the Arkham Asylum and like um, Arkham City games and all that stuff, uh, feeling that that side of Batman like on screen I think would be really cool. But I don't yeah. know I don't know really how they would pull it off. But that's not my problem. It's <laughs> it's his, and if he can do it, great. Uh, I would be excited to see like that different approach. Uh, that being said, seriously, Pete Holmes, Batman, watch all of them. You're welcome. I mean, of all the very <laughs> funny lines and all the funny things, the funniest thing about it is just how obvious the mask doesn't fit and his face is popping out of it. Yep. Yep. Because it's in every one of the skits and no one says anything about it. The He does an entire interrogation scene skit. Uh, with the Joker, where he's interrogating a clown named Bubbles because he's in the wrong room. It's fantastic. Yeah. You should oh, really watch that one. But one of my favorite lines from all of the ones combined, there's one where he does a, there's a Batman and Superman one. Superman comes up to him and he says, I need your help. And he goes, why? <laughs> and, and then... <laughs> it's the only time him and Commissioner Gordon are ever on the same page in the skits. Right. Uh, it's, so, it's basically, if... Batman had severe brain damage from all of the fights that he had. This is where he would land. And he ex- he uh, describes himself as rich and nuts. That's also, it. Also, <laughs> in addition to the brain damage, was very obviously overweight and out of shape. <laughs> because he always looks like he's sweaty and sounds like he's out of breath. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's wonderful. Those... I, I want him to just release another one every year or so. Just give me... I just want a little bit more of that. That's a, that's a thing that I hope never ends. Yes. It's been a while, I guess. Since it's it, it has been. It has been, which is sad. Going back for a second. 2019. Lots of movies coming out in 2019 that I, I knew some of them were coming out, but like it didn't dawn on me until somebody compiled a list of them. And I know that there's way more than this that we're going to be excited about. But this list alone kind of blew my mind that this year is going to be pretty dope for movies. This is from citypages.com. I don't even know what it is. That's not really the point. The point is the movies that are on this list. So, starting off, The Lego Movie 2 is coming out. Yes. So, Which I, I mean, remember the thing until I saw it in a trailer before I saw Harry Potter, or not Harry Potter, Fantastic Beasts. Yeah, that was like a, like a teaser. Mm-hmm. All right. So, I mean, that's amazing. The first Lego movie is incredible. Uh, the next one on here, I didn't see any of these, but I am interested in How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World. I've never seen any of them. They they look good. Uh, of course, one you know, one you all know that we're excited about, Captain Marvel. Then I realized three Marvel movies coming out this year. I know we've talked yes. about them before, but like actually saying that out loud is ridiculous, and I know that they're they're just out of control there. But Captain Marvel coming out March eight, Us coming out. Yes, which we discussed last week. Yep. So. Avengers Endgame, naturally. Mm-hmm. Pokemon Detective Pikachu, which I, I really want to see. <laughs> I keep forgetting that's a thing, but yes. I absolutely want to see that. Spider-Man Far From Home, which is July 5th. That's not that's not that far after Endgame. That's, no. It's, um, it's, it's weird. They barely keep, a month. Like they, they keep pushing them up like in the window of each year. Because mm-hmm. I think... Wasn't Ant-Man and the Lost in June? Or no, not in June, in August? Uh... Uh, I think it was August. I don't remember. 
It's weird that it's just weird that they're putting all three in the first half of the year and then nothing in the second half of the year. Yeah, yeah, that is strange. Um, we have Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That's Quentin Tarantino's ninth film. Mm. Uh, you're not you're not a huge Tarantino fan. No, I think at this point I'm just gonna settle with I'm a just a Kill Bill fan. You're just what? I'm just a Kill Bill fan. Oh, okay, gotcha. Uh, this one I'm excited about. It Chapter Two. Yes. Forgot um, about I that. I kind of forgot that that was coming out this year too. Yeah. This is something I was reading today. And Star Wars Episode Nine, man. Like yes. Like what? <laughs> it's gonna that be. Goes a, without saying. It's gonna be a year. Um. Well, come hell or high water, it's gonna be a year, regardless. We've also got a couple of mentions here. Hellboy. Yeah. I'm excited about that. I know you're not super jazzed about it, but I really want to see that. Uh, Toy Story Four, which, come on. The teaser for that was hysterical. It was great. Toy Story Three. I'll never forget watching this. Kim and I saw this in a theater nearby here, and it was. For whatever reason, the AC was tur- it, mu- it was like negative two degrees, <laughs> and it was a summer's day. So yeah, I remember when we went to the movies, you were like, "Oh, it's it's like normal temperature in here." Mm-hmm. I was like, "Yeah," <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it was it was freezing cold in there, and then we were hyper aware of how cold it was the entire time. And then the incinerator scene happens at the end of it, and it was just. I was cold, and I was strung out. It was just, uh, the whole feeling was bad. <laughs> the movie was fantastic. I thought you were going to say, I was cold and I was warm at the same time. No. That, I, I, like, all, when you watch Toy Story 3 for the first time, and you're at that final scene, all hope is lost. You think there's no, there's nothing left good in the world. <laughs> I thought it was pretty audacious uh, for a child, for a kid's movie. Yeah, that's it's traumatizing, straight up. Dark Phoenix is coming out, but I'm not really even. I don't. I'm not even interested. I will watch it. I still never saw Apocalypse. Um, Joker Apocalypse. is coming out in October, which whatever, and The Irishman, which I know you'll be interested in. Um, maybe. I guess so. Well, um, okay. I was just reading about that today. Actually. How kind of How are you not today. going to be interested in it? Yeah, it seems like it's just going to be a bit too much. Why? Uh, reasons that I'm not expert enough to get into, because I was just reading some blurbs because I had forgotten that they existed. Or was to, <laughs> well, to exist. For those that don't know, the Irishman is Scorsese, Pacino, and De Niro, so I'm in. Well, because I've heard out the like the budget was completely run away because they spent millions, they just shoveled millions and millions of dollars into de aging the three of them for flashbacks. <laughs> and isn't it a Netflix movie? I think so. Yeah. Um, which <clears throat> the next one they do will be the the next good one they do will be the first good one they do. Um, spoiler alert, guys. <clears throat> Actually, that's not fair. A couple of the comedies have been okay. Um, I don't know. It just seems excessive. Anyway, that's a that's a quick list. There are other movies coming out that we will be excited about throughout the year, but like that, just at, like it's January, <laughs> and we read those off. That's pretty ridiculous. Yeah, there's a lot to come. There's a lot going on. Um, I yes, news and nuggets. Any of those? <laughs> uh, sure. Let's do a quick one. Okay. A little long in the last couple. Yeah. Um. So this one's just a nugget about Harrison Ford. 
So this was a tweet that I read yesterday. <laughs> Hang on, it's got to point you there for a second. If you've never listened to the Hollywood Babylon podcast with Ralph Garman and Kevin Smith, Ralph Garman does an incredible Harrison Ford impersonation really? where he just he just mumbles inaudibly <laughs> and then says a word that you can understand. <laughs> Then, wasn't that the, wasn't that the basis of the Family Guy joke about Sting as well? It's you just have to uh, maybe you just have to go listen listen to one. of I'm sure he'll do it. He does it on so many of the episodes. That was the one Peter says about Sting. You know, he's just gonna mumble a lot, and then you're gonna understand the last thing about the, about the you're gonna understand the last couple words in the line, and then they, they cut to to Sting singing Fields of Gold, and he's like, oh my god. complete gibberish. He's like blah 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 blah. blah. Blah blah blah, fields of gold. <laughs> but, uh, that's that's amazing. But with this, every once in a while, he also throws in a sound effect. Like he'll be like, "I'm Blade Runner." And he goes, "Oh, that's pretty good." Yeah, that's pretty good. 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 Yeah, um, the Force Awakens came out, yep. and I told you I was watching him on Conan, and I was like, <laughs> I was afraid for his life. That's a notoriously horrible interview, and it's so worth the watch. I was watching that live because I was like, I don't really watch those night shows, like I never really have. But I saw that he was going to be on. I was like, oh, I haven't seen Harrison Ford in a few years. Let me check that out. That sounds like it's going to be cool. And I was so creeped out about it because he just kept rubbing his legs. Yeah. The whole time. Yeah. It was. It was creepy. Anyway, that was all a big segue into reading you a tweet that I saw um, by someone named Bradley Babindir on Twitter, um, and he was he had sent out an image and he commented on this image. He said, "While we're all thinking about Harrison Ford very chilled out on the stage, this was in reference to the Golden Globes the other night. Yeah, here's Michelle Phillips from the Mamas and Papas on seeing Star Wars for the first time. This is original Star Wars." Um, this is from a book, and the the cap the the, the screenshot is a, of a page from a book, and it said Harrison Ford before he was a movie star. Obviously, they were cutting off when she was talking about seeing him. Says Phillips, I didn't even know Harrison was an actor. I remember getting dragged to see Star Wars at 10 a.m. on a Saturday morning by my stepbrother, who had done some animation for the movie. I was sitting there watching the screen, and all of a sudden Harrison comes on, and I gasped and said, "That's my pop dealer." Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> that's incredible <laughs> I thought so too and I figured that oh that's so good <laughs> amazing amazing that's all I have it's just it's just that that's great that that was your that was your one true nugget yes that was a that was a nice like honey mustard soaked <laughs> nugget moving on the one bite size piece to our flick of the week wait no what no I told you I was going to do that one quick because it was... I asked you if you had one more. If you had more, I thought you said that was it. <laughs> I said, no, let's get started with the very quick nugget. Okay, we'll go on. What do you got? <laughs> um, are you or were you a fan of The Escapist? The games? The website. Oh. No? I feel like you have maybe sent me stuff from The Escapist. Probably, although it would have been several years ago. Yeah. Because... Al, you've been sending me stuff for a very long time. <laughs> well, but I just specifically say that like that because 
Uh, it's been, for all intents and purposes, functionally dead as a website for probably two or three years. It kind of got swallowed up in the fiasco surrounding Gamergate. Um, surrounding what? Gamergate. I cannot believe you don't know what that is. Um, no. I can understand if maybe you don't know all the specifics, but just on a high level. Okay, everyone. Uh, this is a new segment called Homework. Go look up what Gamergate is. Please don't get sucked down into the into the black hole that is what it is, but just familiarize yourself with it. Because if you're in any way, shape, or form concerned about some of the um, rise of neo-Nazism and white supremacy yeah. and the hateful bullshit on the internet that goes on, that's where it all really birthed in earnest. <laughs> Great. Anyway, it's been revived back from its very pathetic death. Oh, is this just about the all of the shitty people that play video games? Well, that's a lot of it, yes. Okay, yep, yep. I'm doing my homework as we speak. <laughs> you know what, that's good. Because like I said, you don't need to know every little bit. We could take days talking about it. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to because it makes me sad. Uh, <laughs> um, it also makes me feel like I need a shower. Regardless... The website is back up and running with a lot of the principles from its peak of its website back involved with the website again. Um, it was like bought out by someone who used to be one of like the senior editors or something like that. Um, and it's back to functionally being a website again. And there's some cool content on there if you like movies and games and TV, stuff of that nature. And if you listen to this podcast, I imagine you like at least one of those things. Uh, you, um, should, you should have maybe stopped doing this. I'm depressed now. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> I was reading. I was reading the. Uh, reading I told about, you, don't get into the yeah. whole you, black you're hole. You're right. I did. I got. I got sucked in, and now I just feel bad about things. Don't do that. Um, just familiarize yourself with it, because if you're ever confused about some of the shitty things that are going on in this country, um, a lot of it, certainly not all of it, but a lot of it can be explained by what went on with that about five, six years ago. Gross. Anyway, um, moving on. Anyway, shitty, huh? I, I, though I brought this up because I didn't know if you were a fan of the Escapist because it was a very big site, like basically almost a rival to IGN mm -hmm. back at its peak. Um, and I loved both sites. I went to each of them for different things. They had comics, they had um, all sorts of movie reviews, game reviews, stuff like that. Um, there was a lot of fun stuff on that website uh, before it died. Um, and now it's back. Sweet. Uh, anyway, moving on to my final new note, nugget, etc., so on. Um, did you see the thing about the Episode Nine Christmas gift for the crew? No. So J.J. Abrams sent uh, gifts to, for like, wrapping, um, shooting principal photography, I believe, um, to a bunch of the crew members, and it was a big black bag that says IX on it, <laughs> and inside of it was two little glass jars filled with stuff. And a note that I will struggle to read because the handwriting is a bit much. Um, this says, Dear cast and crew of Episode 9, there are no words to properly express our gratitude and amazement. Your work has been next-level spectacular, and you've done it all with kindness and respect. There are no words, but there are jackets. Uh, yeah. I think there's a jacket involved with that as well. <laughs> but this picture of the two jars is why I brought it up, because what's inside of them apparently there was like another note is that it was supposed to be kind of a memento of them making the movie and a little teaser because i knew i think they knew eventually it would make it out uh, onto the internet so 
I will read to you. Another user who seemingly has inside information about the film attempted to explain the meaning behind the bottles, claiming, for those asking about the bottles, the sand, and it is really fine sand from a sacred place on a familiar planet. <laughs> the beans are something to do with a, quote, Jedi eater. Whatever that means. It'll all be clear in December, and all NDAs aside, I really know nothing more apart from that they are one of the coolest gifts I've ever received. So, these two things are supposed to be an indication. Uh, heavy favorite for the sand planet is possibly a return to Jeddah, which we saw in Rogue One, where the first Jedi Temple was. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as the other one, no one has quite been able to come up with a viable... Nobody knows what the Jedi Eater is? No. Hmm, that's fair. Or what the beam signifies, so... I think your dogs might know. Uh, they know something. Um, couldn't tell you what. What is it, boy? <laughs> I'm have to make a lot of noise, because all three of them set each other off and then just never shut up. That's great. Anyway, that was the end of my news and nuggets. Sweet. Um, you know what you did? You lit the spark. <laughs> that is the fire of my anticipation. <laughs> Suspicion. It's all about I'm, I actually think that was the first thing that was said. Like you, you had me, you had me hooked. I was, I was on it. I was hanging on every word, and then I realized, oh god, I'm gonna be doing this all year. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I welcome it because until they do a ten, eleven, and twelve, I won't have this exact feeling again. Yeah. Yeah, which is which is cool. I'm okay with that. Um, I will say the amount of times that Star Wars has ended and then come back and started again, I'm not like, I'm not convinced they won't continue on with the storyline at some point. I don't know, ten years down the line. I I imagine they will. But uh, I just imagine that there will be another fairly significant hiatus, as far as the actual saga, the titled, uh, the numbered episodes. I just... We will continue to get Star Wars content, which will make me happy. Speaking of things that I think are coming out this year, I keep forgetting that there's a new Star Wars game coming out. Not a Battlefront game. Yeah. Is Uh, it coming out this year, though? I think it's coming out this year. It's a Jedi-centric game. Yeah. It's been very closely under wraps. There's a lot of stuff about those games that frustrates me um history wise and there was some really there was one that i was very there were two at different points that i was very much looking forward to that ended up either one one got just scrapped and then the other one lost the head of the uh the team so i i don't know which ones i know the darth maul one has to be one of those well that's actually that's the third one that was that was years ago though because that one was really um, I can't remember. It was what the name of it was. It was like it was there was a, it was like a number involved, like a. Oh, uh, was it Star Wars like thirteen thirteen? That's something like yeah, that? something like that. I was I was very interested in that one, and then that got canned. The thing and, is, that one like was nearly like a viable game. Yeah. It was like I don't like so late in the process was described that like I don't understand why they didn't just let it limp out to market because like it was basically ready to go to my knowledge then the other the other thing was uh there was the star wars game that amy hennig was attached to which i was really like when i heard those two things together amy hennig and star wars i was like this is going to be 
That name is familiar. I'm not sure why. Incredible. Um, she was a director and scriptwriter for um, Naughty Dog. Ah, okay. And uh, it, no longer, but uh, she was working on a Star Wars game, and she's no longer working on that Star Wars game. And I don't know if they what they did with it, if they changed it. I think they went in a different direction. I think they moved. They're moving towards some other style of game. But this that would have been a like a single player experience, like story well, that's what, driven. That's what the thing is. That's what. That's what is coming out. Is yeah, I know there's other they, stuff in the works. I don't know if it's the exact same project, but the game that's coming out is. I don't want to just say it's that thing, but uh, like, like Knights of the Old Republic esque, where it's mm. meant or or you know if you don't like that comparison, you know the Force Unleashed. Oh, don't. Yes. I I won't rule it. I loved Knights of the Old Republic. I won't rule this out. I was just saying that there have been two times that I've been extremely excited, and then I was quickly disappointed by a change that was made, and I'm. So we'll see what happens with this game when it comes out. Yeah. But um, I'm okay with more Star Wars. Let me be on the record. <laughs> I'm okay with more Star Wars stuff. <laughs> yeah. And obviously we get the Mandalorian. Yes. And the Clone Wars. And the Return of Resistance. And I think it was already greenlit for season two. I've got so many things to watch. <laughs> yes. Uh, so let's, with that, let's get to the movie. Let's do it. Our flick of the week is Bird Box. You've been hearing about it. People have been tweeting about it. Is it worth the hype? Uh, well, funny thing, let's, <laughs> very quickly before we do that, you mentioned people have been tweeting about it. Yep. So, before you and I committed to watching this movie, <laughs> I had been seeing a couple of little things on Twitter, mm-hmm. fine and whatever. Then, I saw nothing but this on Twitter. Yeah. And it reached such a fever pitch that it's funny, one of the people I followed actually tweeted out a poll Please answer this as honestly as possible. Have you either A, watched Bird Box, or B, only ever heard of it and don't believe anyone saw it? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'm glad that you heard that because I definitely thought that for a bit. So there was... uh, Now, Netflix, they've done a lot of good things. Mm -hmm. And I applaud a lot of their efforts to try and think outside the box for some of the content they've created. Actually, probably a lot of it because I haven't seen one iota of it because they've released a shit ton of things the last couple of years and will continue to only release more things going forward. Um, but there's a lot of reasons to be skeptical about everything around this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing um, that I would like to talk about, because there's a good point. I kept hearing just people talking about the movie, but no one talking about like seeing the movie, whether they like the movie or not. Just talking about the existence of the movie. Right. Um, and Netflix is notorious for very rarely releasing any data on how many people watch any given thing. Right. And because it's a privately held company, I don't think it's it's not publicly traded. They don't have to disclose these things. Um, and because they don't have, they're not tied to Nielsen. There's no independent auditing of who watches what on this thing. Mm-hmm. So it was curious that after that fever pitch broke. Um, there was an article about Netflix releasing the information of who watched it in the first week of its debut. Right. So this was from an article that I read. It came out on New Year's Eve. Um, the article was on The Wrap, and it's called, Here's What Netflix Means When It Says More Than 45 Million People Watched Bird Box. So that was the claim that they made. 45 million people in the first seven days, um supposedly watched Bird Box. Now, 
the definition directly from that article. Netflix counts a view for its movies as an account having watched at least 70% of the film's runtime, including the credits. An individual with knowledge of the data tells the rap. Because Bird Box is 124 minutes long, that means Netflix is saying over 45 million different accounts watched at least 87 minutes of the drama. That's a direct quote taken from the article. Mm -hmm. um, now, they say that is all unique viewers. So this isn't someone who decides to rewatch it. This isn't multiple people with this, using the same account. They're claiming okay. that, that 45 million streams of this occurred in the first seven days. Unique. Unique viewers. Yep. So if you, you watched it and then Kim watched it later, that was still in the count as one view. Right. So what do we think about that? Because um, I look at that with a lot of skepticism. I would question... It said accounts, right? Yes. Yeah, so accounts have... I don't know. I don't know how they define it, but there's people... There's multiple profiles on an account, and I don't know if they would consider that in their um, statistics as individual profiles being individual views, because I personally would, but I don't know if they are. But even if they did... Do we trust their numbers when they very rarely release any of them, only ever release some of their positive? I don't trust nor not trust. I simply don't care. <laughs> but, but I just find it curious because of the nature of this phenomenon. Yeah. And I view this with some cynicism because of the way it was marketed. Mm -hmm. um, and we'll get into that more once we get into the movie itself. Aspect of marketing this movie. Okay. Um, because I find some of that curious, and I, the ideas had not coalesced into a cohesive thought <laughs> until one person saw, said something and it finally clicked for me what I was thinking about, it, and I'll get into that a little bit later. Okay. Um, I have one other thing about this. The numbers sound like a lot, but I but you have sounds, nothing you have nothing to compare it to. So I number. But if most you, importantly, we don't have independent confirmation. Of this. Sure. Um, right. They're so saying this, and you don't have anything to compare it against, and if you don't have a control or anything like that, it doesn't, it doesn't mean, it literally doesn't mean anything to me. Now, what I do find interesting is the idea of their benchmark being 70% of the film's runtime. Yeah, what's that about? Because time on platform is their key metric. Think about, what do they call it? It's like, the, it's like view plus three or something like that. That's how all ad revenue on internet is, where... If you watch at least three or five, if I can't remember if it's plus three or plus five, if you watch at least three or five seconds of an ad, they consider that a view, and that's what they're paying for. Okay. So they view it based on how long. And now a lot of things you go on run that amount of time before you can X amount no matter how fast sure. you are. Right? Yeah. Um, so this is another quote from that same article. Marketing insight firm GBH Insights told CNBC in July that their own research found that the average Netflix customer spends 10 hours per week on its platform compared to five hours for Amazon and Hulu. That I'm inclined to believe, and it gives you a pretty good context for why they consider 70% a good threshold. They don't care if you watch the whole damn thing. They just want to make sure that you on it long enough thinking about their products. Sure. I would be curious. There is – I don't know – I don't know if they've done this with movies. In fact, but you know how something will play directly after something you finish. And I know sure. so many people – Typically, you're not going to make it through 70% of a runtime or something. Like that. No, unless you fell asleep watching a movie. Sure. Which is – if they were – if they were – propagating that to the top of everybody's list anytime you finished a movie or the finished a Netflix original. But the thing is, if you're talking about 
falling asleep on it or people watching it from multiple accounts within the same account, whatever, stuff like that. That still probably is only, a, like, noise, right? It's probably a relatively sure. small uh, amount. I don't know about that. Well, it's not like it's 50%. I don't, I don't know that. Even 50% of the people who watch Netflix fall asleep on it significantly enough that they can make it 70 minutes of I wouldn't, I game. wouldn't be shocked if 50% of people that watch Netflix have had it on in the background without them realizing it. Whether it's they turn the TV off and not the box that is playing the thing, or if they've fallen asleep, or if they left the room. Sure, I just, I struggle to believe that 22 million of 45 million do that. It doesn't have to be, but it could be, it could be a significant number. Sure. I'm just saying, uh, I don't have the answer. I'm just playing devil's bit, advocate uh, here. My final bit on this is a follow-up on the rap. Per Nielsen, and again, I don't know how they're measuring this, because they do not have, to my knowledge, a direct line into it. But based on their sampling data, which is typically very accurate, they claim that in that first week, 26 million people watched it. Half. Roughly half. Well, I guess a little more than that. But where would they get, are they getting their data based on polling? Like, who knows what it's... I think they're doing it based on their own sampling, which is historically very accurate. But, again, without having an... I don't think, I don't know how they directly tie it to this, because a Nielsen box, to my knowledge, doesn't do streaming stuff. It only does set-top cable provider, direct TV type provider. Yeah, I have no idea. That's what, so, what I assume. I imagine they probably have some sort of modern version of that that is just auditing any, Sure, but the thing, is, the thing is, those are all done with agreements with the cable providers because it's done with the purpose of companies purchasing ads and the ad revenue and how they do those deals um, since there is no ads in Netflix, I don't know why there would be any agreement with Nielsen. And since they are so adamant about only releasing the numbers they choose to release, why would they allow Nielsen that backdoor into their product? Yeah, it doesn't. It, it's it's all very weird. Yes. But a lot of people seem to care more about that than I do. Sure, I just found it to be a curiosity. It is very interesting. The fever pitch, because it all seemed to peak on one day. Yeah, it's very interesting to me for the length of this conversation, but I will never think of it again afterwards. <laughs> Not within the context of this specifically, but sure. every once in a while, I do kind of wonder about this stuff, especially when you see some of the things that are canceled or renewed or sequels to or whatever, mm. um, with some really objectively bad movies that have come out that they've probably spent a decent amount of money on because there's big names attached to them. Um, and also because a lot of movies that have been really odd that have been released like the Cloverfield Paradox was basically saved. It wasn't going to get distributed anywhere because it was a bad movie. And Netflix scooped it up and played it and they turned it into an event. Right. So they're doing is turning these movie releases into events. Something like Bird Box wasn't about the movie itself. It was about the event surrounding its release, right? Right. Yeah. And it's this, a- this new movie that they came, that came out, I guess, a month or two ago, Roma, um, it's, a bi- it's a big event because they made a big deal... Hey, we're submitting this for Oscar right. consideration. Hey, we're releasing this in enough theaters to allow it to be considered for Oscars, Oscars because it has to hit a certain amount of theaters. It's, if you just release it on Netflix as a streaming thing, it's not capable of being considered for Best Picture. Right. And when you consider all the Marvel shows that were canceled, whose viewership justified them sticking around, and when you consider cancellation of a show like Sensei, which had I don't know what whether the numbers 
justified it, but its fan base was incredibly passionate. There weren't a lot of casual viewers of it mm-hmm. that it released such a hue and cry when it was canceled that they had to appease their fans by allowing them to basically make a movie to finish that show. Right. It's interesting. I, the whole the whole thing. I, as long as I. It's just a weird thing. I still don't. It still blows my mind that they make as much money. They make enough money to cover the cost of the stuff that they're producing. I still wonder if that is even true because. Are they again, in the red for like a while with the intention of maintaining subscribers, which could be the like, case? We, we don't know. We don't get that look yeah. into their books. Um, and I wonder if it's kind of the way Amazon got its first big start. They lied about a lot of shit with their revenue and stuff like that that made them seem like they had absurd growth and then when they when people found out that they didn't have it it's like oh sorry guys we made a mistake in our accounting we'll just very hastily pay them whatever fine you say we should pay i don't i'm i am curious while i am curious about this um like i said it's not something that i'm netflix is there i We'll be honest with you. I'm one of those people that is on a family's on my family's account. Like I'm not actively subscribing to it. Um, it's actually, none of us are. We get it free through T-Mobile. Oh, nice. Which is pretty sweet. Um, but I'm happy with it. I, you know, I get my I get my movies and shows. I got to watch Love Sick. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have an account and I've enjoyed a lot of their stuff, but other stuff I have not enjoyed so much. And just when you look at the big picture when you zoom out, which is really tough because it's a huge fucking picture. I just find their whole business very curious. It, yeah, it's definitely curious. It doesn't necessarily affect me, but it's it may. We don't know that. <laughs> sure. Um, I guess that would be the thing that would that would pique my, my interest. My my background in business and accounting. Sure. You can understand why some of these things when they don't all add up. I don't want to get onto it on air, but that stuff that I told you about, that story, about yeah. that person that I know, um, when the numbers don't start to add up, I start to ask questions. Sure. And I'm sure many people do. I, I would be curious. Like, I am by no, by no means an expert on these things. There's a lot devil's, of way more. Playing devil's advocate, there's a, there's a number of things that could be going on here. A number of there's, – there's so much information that we don't have that nobody has. Uh, if Even if you want to – like. Anything's possible, right? So this Nielsen thing. Maybe they have a deal with them. Maybe they pay them to actually collect data for them, and they have an NDA. Could be. And well, they... Functionally, I don't know how that would even work. Um, well, it's the internet, and you can... They, they're tracking everything everybody's watching all the time. They can you scrape can't... whatever they want and draw any conclusions. Like, it's there's there's, there's plenty of ways they can do this. No, well, yes and no. If Netflix, I, I'm business. sorry, I'm saying Netflix has the data. I'm saying if they were giving oh, that data to absolutely. Nielsen. Netflix has the data. Right, I'm saying if they give that data to Nielsen for them to draw whatever conclusion they want off that data, but then they're also saying you can't expose any of this and maybe they're paying. Like, I'm saying like, this is this might not be a thing. I'm just saying it's a possibility. And they can, and maybe they were like, okay, we need to. We're we're deciding that we're going to allow this chunk of information to be eligible to go out, and maybe Nielsen was like, "Okay, we'll release our version of it too." Sure, but the the initial disclosure was direct from Netflix. It wasn't from Nielsen. The follow up from mm. Nielsen, which halved the number, was made with no direct quotes from Netflix. Itself. So it's it's interesting. 
but and that's why that sort of stuff. Uh, this is the type of this is the type of information though that is just a waste out there for me. It might make sense for business folks that are somehow involved financially. But for me, it's not relevant. Things I wonder whether or not Netflix is a going concern, and since they have a lot of products that I enjoy and a lot of products that a lot of people enjoy, I always worry when I start to see things like that. <laughs> Where's that my money going? No have those things that I enjoy. <laughs> right. Where's my money going? That's your question. My question is, where's T-Mobile's money going? <laughs> anyway, well, let's get into the movie itself. I just found all of that to be a little bit. It interesting. is. It is interesting. Consider the viral marketing of this movie and. And to, to the credit of the person who put that poll that I, I started this whole story off with, um, I was seeing a lot of talk about Bird Box and didn't hear anything from anyone I know directly or indirectly who actually said anything like, hey, the movie was good. Hey, the movie sucked. It was just the existence of the movie. Yeah. That's weird. I mean, we already know about a lot of the, the BS sock puppets and stuff like that going on online. I wonder sometimes how real... The conversation sure. the movie was. Oh, for, for sure. And I, I I wouldn't be surprised if a large chunk of it was bots just to get hype rising around it, whether it's hashtags or ads or whatever, just to, to get it trending so that you can, so that you see it, it gets to the front of your, you know, to the front of your feed. And then if you're a person that is super into social media, you probably did put the movie on and you probably weren't paying attention to it. You were probably tweeting about it. And I, that I honestly believe is a very real way that they could have actually gotten those numbers. Sure, um, I can say because you said you wanted to do this, I tried to give it my undivided attention and largely succeeded in that, um, but I had actually, I didn't say anything about it to you. When we when you were here and we watched the trailer for it, I was like, eh, I'm not really feeling this, I don't care. And then once I saw that whole thing, I was like, you know what? Just like with some of this other shit that they've tried to hype, like the Adam Sandler stuff, the Cloverfield Paradox, yeah. the Bright, a lot of it's very cynically made or cynically advertised, and I'm don't want to give it my time, and I think I felt pretty justified by what I've heard about those other movies. And I was going to do the same with this as well. You wanted to do it, and I'm okay with it. It's not really yeah. the, end of the world. I I watched the trailer, and I actually the trailer did make me interested in it. Um, as you all know, I The Quiet Place was a big win in my book, and I this is reverse Quiet Place, and that's why I was interested in it. <laughs> yeah, and, and knowing my math feelings on Quiet Place, you can understand why I wasn't super hyped for this. For movie. sure. For sure. I didn't expect this would be a movie for you, and I'm not necessarily saying it's a movie for me. I definitely... I thought overall I enjoyed... I enjoyed watching it in that it was... I was on the edge of my seat for a good chunk of it. Um, curious what was going on. I realized probably about... Um, I really When you watch a movie like this, you reach a threshold where you go, okay, I'm not going to get answers to certain things. I need to be okay with that to get through the rest of this. Yeah, and um, I found that out. I realized that pretty early, and that's why I said some stuff about this was kind of a cynically made movie. Because first of all, I'm sure I'm not even doing it justice. I'm sure you could come up with other things, but uh, this movie comes off as a ripoff of A Quiet Place, of The Happening, of It to a certain extent. Um, those three movies were the ones that most quickly jumped to mind while watching this. Um, aspects of each of those I saw pretty obviously displayed in this. I'm sure there are others. I'd be curious... Uh, well, I didn't see the happening, so I'd be curious what that well, the correlation whole is. Well, the whole concept, without any sort of spoiler, with the happening is 
um, people start en masse committing suicide okay. due, due to an unseen thing. It's like a virus or something. Yes. Well, again, I don't want to spoil what the actual thing was, but it's not unseen creatures in this case. It's something more insidious. Okay. And then why... Uh, sorry, what was the other two? Why it? it. Um, because each of them had their own personally tailored greatest fear that caused their their deaths. Okay. Huh. Okay. That That's was cool. not an aspect of the happening. There's never any reflection as to what's causing the people, like spe- on a specific level, like that. I can see why you would think the script of the movie was written based off of some analysis of what of what people have been trending over the well, last that's year. What comes down to this. <laughs> I don't want to call it paint by numbers because that's a decidedly analog um, comparison. I believe that this movie was written by algorithm um, mm-hmm. and casted by algorithm. Well, let's pause on that for a second because I actually have a note here that I think fits right into that theory. Um, there is so. Don't take this the wrong way. I really, I, I don't mean anything offensive by this at all. To me, I, to everyone. Okay. I, I do think that diversity in the workplace and in movies and I think that is a good thing. The diversity in this movie is strikingly obvious. Oh, that's not even what I meant when I went when I was talking about written by algorithm. Not even. No, no, I know. I'm just, I'm just adding. This is a note that I had that I think fits into that. The, the core cast at the outset of the movie is almost as if they are checking boxes. Yeah, uh, I could see that. Um, but I also understand why they would do that. Um, it doesn't, and, and it doesn't not make sense, but it, it feels well, artificial. Two things. One, because of their opportunity to do that sort of thing, to try and push things in that way, considering mm-hmm. there's been a stunning lack of it uh, up until the last couple of years. Sure. Um, but also... It kind of made sense within the setting of the movie in kind of an unnamed Californian city. Yeah. No, I, I'm not saying it doesn't make sense. I'm just saying it was like... It, it, I could, it could fall into what you're saying, though. It feels like there were so many different things. There, there were, there's always going to be something underrepresented, and you can actually you can spot that as well. But there were so many... It, it almost... It's, it felt forced to a degree. Um... But I never felt that way. but you uh, can it's passable though because of the situation at hand. Well, that's what I'm saying. It didn't feel unrealistic. If this took place in, you know, Taiwan, mm-hmm. um, it would be a little odd for the diversity of the cast. Yeah, you know that's true. I mean? <laughs> um, in that's a Californian city, seems like it's pretty on the nose when you consider a lot of Californians are transplants. Maybe it. There was just there was something about it that I, I think when you when you were bringing that up and what I know about what's going on it felt like and, and I'm not like again I'm not saying there's anything wrong with this I'm just saying that it felt artificial to me and that's that could be my own ignorant bias and I don't I wouldn't have preferred it a different way I'm just saying that I, I noticed it out of the okay. gate and I thought that was a little interesting see uh, and this is this is the point that I was talking about when I said there was something that I needed someone to like have it all clicked together and that's what it was is that it seemed very calculated who was all together again not to fill diversity quotas but instead recognition quotas well here's and here's why i uh 
here's really I'm not gonna name the specific characters because I don't want to spoil anything just yet. But there are a handful of characters that arguably do not matter at all. Well, that's gonna happen no matter what. But sure, that's definitely a thing they don't happen. they don't progress any portion of the story as far as I'm concerned, except maybe one of the three that I have listed here, which we can get into in the in the spoiler territory. And I will actually like to circle back to this because I'd be curious what your take is on it. But that's where it felt like okay. That's why I feel like the box ticking thing is there because then they were just like, okay, now that we've had all these people on screen, we can get rid of a few of them. And it wasn't even, it's, it's very odd. Well, if you can stick around post spoilers, I encourage you to, because I would like to talk about how. Well, do you want to just get to that? Or do you want to touch on some stuff before we get spoilers? Cause there's um, more to this conversation that probably should go into the. Okay. So there's two, there's a couple things I just want to point out real quick. Um, I was. Is it worth the hype? I don't think. I don't think it is. Um, definitely not. I thought it was. I was entertained. I was. I was definitely hooked the entire movie, and I think the it does suspense pretty well. And if you can get past the um, you you're not going to get all your answers type thing, it's it's worth a watch. Um, it could have just been a suspense thriller, but I thought they added some interesting flawed characters at the center of it, which I actually did like. I liked what they did with the... I like what Sandra Bullock's character, John Malkovich, their relationship. Um, and what was his name? Chris? Tom. Tom. Why did I think Chris? Is there a Chris? I don't know. Mm, no, there's a Felix. Uh, anyway, yeah. Tom's character... I actually... So I, I like the actor that plays Tom a lot. Trevante Rhodes. And I think... Uh, yeah. And I think... Um, I, I actually thought... He, he kind of stole the show for me. A bit. Uh, yeah. And, and again, that kind of goes to what I'm talking about when I say <laughs> paid by numbers or paid by algorithm. Yeah, well, I thought his, and I thought they did, uh, I thought their chemistry was actually really interesting and really well, but they, I, there was a nice balance between the writing of those two characters. And I liked yes. that, I liked the way that that worked, that, that, that played out throughout the movie. No, the, the core relationships at the heart of the movie make it worthwhile enough to bother getting through. Yeah. Um, but that makes the movie just fine. It, sure. Just fine from an entertainment value. It's it's not a very good movie. No, it's it's not. It's, but I was, like I said, I was entertained in that particular thing. I thought, I thought the characters were written well uh, for the most part. The ones that they gave enough... The ones that had lines, I thought... The ones were... that had enough dialogue <laughs> were fairly well written. The ones who didn't, weren't. Right, <laughs> and then there was one... And every movie's going to have its flaws, right? And if you... I'm sure there's there's hundreds and hundreds of lists out there of, of like, oh, everything wrong with Bird Box, right? There was just one thing that... Would be, one thing that was actually immediately jarring to me, where while <laughs> this epidemic... Is go- this is happening? There's people are hysterical, but in my opinion, they weren't hysterical enough, <laughs> and I, that was the only thing that I thought a little bit jar. Like I felt like I was more like, "What the goddamn hell?" than the people running around on the street were. There was a little everybody that ends up in the house early on in the movie. That is like the main. I don't know the first two acts of the movie. They're all together in that house. Like that's they were a little too calm. <laughs> Getting getting to that point, I thought. Um, they weren't. Uh, they they weren't. They were hysterical to a degree. It just yeah. felt like it would have been a. I I think in a real world situation, as real as it could get, if something like this were to happen, 
that would have never lasted that long. <laughs> sure. Uh, actually, I guess the bigger issue I had was really up to the point where everyone gets there and then they just take a breath. Yeah. The problem was, and it wasn't all the characters, but some of them felt like, you know when you're playing a video game and you talk to NPC who, like, has, like, the one that you have to, like, when you're playing an RPG and you, like, have to ask them <laughs> for information about right. the backstory to what's going on, like, they felt that way, like, where it was very instructional. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, like, all of a sudden somebody walks back into the room and it's, like, turns in front of a character and they're like, my wife died. She was outside. <laughs> like, just a canned response that is almost like, you know repeated. About, yeah. Like, you, you see, like, a text wheel or a text <laughs> list and you ask them this question for backstory on this. And they have the, basically the same answer or a canned response for everything. Well, yeah, it just, like, everything sounds like it's about to be a part of a mini lecture by a professor. Right. Oh, my God. That's really funny. That is, I didn't think of it that way, but this was an RPG in action. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Uh, okay, I'm. We're free to go into uh, spoiler territory if you are. Okay. All right. So just circling back real quick about characters that I thought were unnecessary, and this is what uh, back to the box ticking that I was talking about. Um, I've got three character names listed here: Lucy, Felix, and then I have Charlie-ish. Lucy and Felix are not integral to the plot at all. Um. Yeah. The. The. Well, that's when you say box checking. Uh, and the perspective you're talking about, it's the box checking that I'm talking about, that, they, first of all, these characters didn't need to exist at all because they served, they weren't even plot devices, which is why I no. don't have a problem with Charlie being there because he's a plot device. He's, again, NPC yeah. and an RPG. Yeah. He literally exists to forward the plot. Well, he gives you, the thing is, he starts to give you a little bit of explanation about what could be going on. Yeah, but, and then he leads them to the place where they learn and they achieve and they get some stuff. He's a plot device. Yeah, it, whatever. Yeah, okay, that's fine. And so he's—that's why I say Charlie-ish. The it, okay, I I will allow Char Charlie is. I will take the ish off. I will take Charlie off the list. But Lucy and Felix are completely unnecessary. Absolutely. And so much so that if you want to put unnecessary people in your thriller horror movie, you need to kill those people instead of leave them open ended. They just left. They were not interesting. They just left. They came in, they hated each other, they had sex, and then they left. Yeah, that was well, it. Again, again, this is why I said, well, you said diversity. Uh, one of them is white, one of them is not. Um, when I say algorithm, um, Machine Gun Kelly yeah. is a popular person who will show up in things, is pop culture relevant. Right. Um, <laughs> and as is Rosa Salazar. Yeah who will be playing Alita in Alita Battle Angel, who was in the Maze Runner movies. Again, she is... And Parenthood. Uh, well, I don't yeah. know. I it was a good show. Two things. Um, I'm sure she's in other stuff, too. But those are the things that I know yep. she is from or will be in. Um, and when I say algorithm, yeah. these two names come up as being culturally re relevant. Trevante Rhodes, an up-and-coming star, culturally relevant. Sarah Paulson, American Horror Story, culturally relevant. Lil Rel Howery has his new show, Rel, was no one had ever heard of him before um, Get Out, and now he's a big deal because of him steam stealing and that. He got a show off of that. He was in that. How good the, was he in Get Out? <laughs> yeah, no, he's great. Um, <laughs> and 
then you get your two anchors in Sandra Bullock and John Malkovich, two recognizable stars who are, yep. you know, in things and who are going to be, you know, where probably 80% of the budget went to their salaries. Right. Um, so when I say checking boxes, that's what I'm talking about, is the algorithm achieved something of the combination of all these other movies, especially Quiet Place. People talked about that movie a lot. And it, people talked about that movie a lot. And all these actors and actresses, people are or will be talking about them a lot. Let's get out in front of that, or let's ride on those coattails, respectively. Yeah, it's it is it is almost in your face to what you're saying. And that's why I said it's so cynical, because when I said checking boxes, it's this famous person check <laughs> this famous person. Yeah, check. I wouldn't this, this immediate association. If you like the Quiet Place, because think about it, anytime you want to watch a movie that you can't find on Netflix. Well, we don't have that, but you might like this. Mm-hmm. This movie is the poster child for that whole bit of that algorithm on the fucking app. All right. I wouldn't be surprised that, like, if you told me that it was basically, uh, like, you know, pseudo AI, like, just pulling this information together and telling you, like, these particular ingredients would make for a movie that would get a significant number of viewers, I would say absolutely. That makes total sense. And I would not be surprised in the least. Uh, and I. You know, part of me believes that's that's probably what's happening. Like, they have a they have a crap load of data. A lot of people have a crap load of data now, but Netflix especially. And they could do interesting things with that. Um, I don't necessarily agree or disagree with it, but I I do think that it's a legit possibility. Yeah, and that's part of the issue that I have with the making of this movie. I could I could feel it before I even knew any of these things, and then when I sat down to watch it, I was just like. Man, I don't know. It like broke. It breaks my immersion. Where it feels unnatural. It feels like it's made by a computer. Even though the director, I actually realized once I looked her up, I kind of like some of the stuff that she's done. She was the director of all the episodes of The Night Manager. I really enjoyed that show. Yeah. I've talked about it on this show. Much. Yeah. Uh, and it also in- is a good indication as to why. Um, Tom Hollander was in this movie because mm-hmm. he would not have fit the uh, algorithm model that I was uh, pushing here. Um, that being said, in his very small amount of screen time, he fucking crushed it. Um, he's a really good actor in the little bits that I've ever seen him in. Um, and this is the third thing that I've seen him in. So Is he Gary? Um, yes. Yeah, that guy was creepy as hell. Well, he was supposed to be. I know. He, he, pulled, he pulled that off real well. Um, and he played just as creepy and even more outright malicious person in the night manager um which he did a great job of and going on with the malicious thing um the first thing i ever saw him in although i didn't recognize him again until i looked him up um do you remember the second and third parts of the caribbean movie broad strokes yeah probably uh, probably enough of them um do you remember the British officer who comes over in the second one and arrests them and sets off the plot, the whole thing. He was the one who wants yes. to That's him. Okay, yep. So he does evil and he does malicious and he does creepy very well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he does. Man, did he nail creepy. Yeah. That, actually, that was one of my notes. Um, Gary was creepy as hell, is what it says down here under post-spoilers. <laughs> yeah, no, he fucking nailed it because... When he comes in, I was like, okay, I already know who this guy is. He's going to be bad somehow. Yeah. Um, and then he told the whole story about the crazy people. I was like, so he's one of the crazies, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and then he took out his little um, like sketchbook, and I was like, 
Oh shit, he's so much more crazy than I thought. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's crazy is the there's that one scene where um wait, who ends up shooting him? Uh Tom. Tom shoots him. So but he's got his eyes closed. And Gary is snipping scissors to distract him with the sound and swiping side to side. No, well, that was actually John Malkovich. John Malkovich? That was that scene was creepy as hell. Yes. And Oh yeah, because that's when he he stabs him. Does he go over like the railing or something? Um, he yes, he yeah. he he wings him with a shot. Yeah. He gets up on him. They both go over the edge, and then he stabs John Malkovich in the chest a bunch of times and says, "I'm sorry." So, that was so scary. And then the uh, him him telling them to make like make the babies look. I was like, yeah. But part yeah. of part of me was wondering how that would have gone down. Yeah, realistically, it got to the point where that was really the only time I like felt some genuine concern for what was going on. I was like, "Wait, this isn't—is this the way everyone's talking about this movie? This is going to be the movie with the 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 infant suicide? Right. How does that work?" That was something my sister talked about. She's like, "I feel like you should just show the babies it. Like, they wouldn't really be." I was like, "I, I don't even want to know what that looks like—a baby trying to kill itself because you're right, it doesn't really have the motive power to right. do it. Like, you know, like swallow its own tongue. Like it I, just stops breathing." I guess like, that's incredible body control for for beings that basically can't control anything about their own body. And then, well, I actually I was curious if they were if there was going to be like some sort of purity aspect to it where one of the babies was exposed and nothing happened. Uh, they can't comprehend it or whatever. Yeah, I don't know, that could have been interesting. Um, but that would have been if you were going down the route of trying to explain whatever the hell this was, which is which they never had any interest in doing. No, they didn't. And here's where. Um, I can see with the parallels, obviously, anybody could see, or not see, the parallels between this and A Quiet Place. But A Quiet Place, I thought, was a great movie. And I thought I they did a I good job of... They did a good job in that movie of... you. There's enough information there. You know what the things are. You have a general idea of how they got there. And you get an, uh, an arc of like the confusion, understanding their weakness, and then exploiting it. Well, I'll it, tell you a big difference between the two. Um, I, when I was done watching A Quiet Place, even though I couldn't understand what anyone was saying... Um, that's your fault, man. Um, is it, though? It is. Mostly Damien's fault. <laughs> <laughs> Ow. For not telling me to put the subtitles on. He didn't know you were going to watch it. Didn't he? We told him I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, regardless... Um, I felt like at the end of that movie, we had a pretty decent idea of the rules. Yes. I didn't feel that way when this movie was over. Well. I didn't feel like I fully understood the rules. You didn't understand? I don't know. Well, I will say that I feel like the rules changed at times. Explain. Um, well, listen. On the surface at the very beginning, don't look at them. That's an easy enough rule. I, I get where we're at with that. Mm-hmm. But then there's the whole, well, are they corporeal or are they not? Because they're setting up the sensors and we're they're climbing on the thing, but like they don't try and force doors open. And then we realize, okay, like they don't grab you. They don't yank the blindfold off you. They don't break into windows. They don't force open doors. So why are we, once we realize we just don't need to look at them, why are we ever really afraid of them? Mm-hmm. Like, at the end of the movie, when we're running, like, that was a big part of me, problem for me for the end of the movie was, at that point, there was just no more suspense anymore. 
Because, I've, got, I've got a big problem with the running scene. Go on. Because at that point, like, she understands, she just tells the kid, listen, no matter what, you don't take the blindfold off. What she says, annoyingly, um, but, like, she's running with the kids. Yeah. She already knows the rules. She's been surviving for five years, I think it was. Yeah, it right? was some time at best. Um, she could have just grabbed the kids, held her hands over their eyes, and just sat there until her heart, heart rate, like, came down. They can't hurt you. We know this. You know this. You keep telling us that they can't hurt you if you don't look. So just don't look and we're good. Right. Um, so there was just not much drama at that point. And then there's the whole thing with the voices because they never do the voices thing really. Like you hear some whispering and mumbling but nothing – no one ever gets convinced to take their things off. You know what I mean? Right. Until the end where it's like I can make a million voices of everyone you've ever known and loved in their – and they're wooing you with candy and puppies. I mean, with, um, you know, the, your loved ones who are going to come in, uh, you know, like, you know, oh, I'm here. You're sick now. Like, I'll just take care of you. So I, and then we get to the end and we get into this, the school for the blind, which explains how all those people are alive. Right. Most of them are blind. Can't see them. They're safe. Which, I'm on board with that stipulation. Yeah. Okay. That's kind of cool. Um, but there was a bunch of people in that place who weren't blind. Right, including the and doctor from the beginning, which is just a random-ass callback. I actually like that. It was uh, cool. It was just random. Um, a little bit random. I guess just kind of the bookend of the story. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, she gets there, and they walk out into the open courtyard in the middle of the thing, and there's clearly open roof above them because there's sunlight streaming in. And I get that like the windows are barred and the most of the people are blind, but those things already Wait. climbed on top of cars and buildings. Wasn't it covered with... There was ivy, but you could see through. That's true, but you could also kind of see through the blindfold they were wearing, which doesn't make a ton of sense. Sure, um, but the bigger picture actually is that a school full of blind people will eventually fall victim to the crazies, which will be pretty sad too. Mm. Uh, but open courtyards, usually when you don't want to be able to see things, problematic for those of you who can see. And then there's the whole thing with the crazies where, well, how crazy do you have to be to be safe from the creatures? Do you have to be full-on schizophrenic, multiple yeah. personality disorders, full psychopath? Just are you just See, bipolar? Is that enough? Like, how you crazy, are, what's, what's the crazy threshold? You are pulling on what my problem is, and that is normally you you can do something like this. You can do something like that and not fully establish the rules and still enjoy it if that's not the main point of the movie. Yes, but that is the main point of that the movie. That is, the, unfortunately, yeah. So, like, this, I, I feel like that's what could have made the movie good. Like, they, they explored the characters for a second for maybe, I don't know, actually, maybe two-thirds of the movie. I thought they explored the characters pretty well. But the third act is, doesn't seem to have much to do with them at all. It's just this thing. And now you're getting into the territory where, well, okay, well, if you're going to make this the finale and this the important part, then you do have to start explaining it yourself. And they... They did, and um, the more you think about this, the more it feels like it was created, written, filmed, and directed by a robot. But <laughs> um, we all know that that wasn't that's that that's not one hundred percent true. Yeah, um, and as far as I'll tell you how I because I I experienced this movie to a certain extent, right? I didn't just watch it. Um, I had seen the trailer. Mm-hmm. So, when they kick off with her explaining to the kids the deal and they get on the river, that's the first thing we see. Yeah. 
I was a little offended, a little jarring. I was like, oh, what about all that other stuff? Because that looked really interesting, like the whole fall of civilization thing. It's probably going to be the best material. I thought we were getting more to our cast here. I was like, oh man, are we just going to get that in a flashback? I was like, is it what we saw in the trailer? Basically the whole bit mm. of that we're going to get. And then it find, we find out that it's probably the two-thirds of it are the past storyline. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. We're going to kind of bounce back and forth between the two things. That can make for a cool storytelling device. But then as we actually got three-quarters or more away through the movie, I was like, man, this movie would have been so much better if they just did it linearly. Oh, you thought so? I actually, I enjoyed the bouncing back and forth. No, because I said by the time they got to it, they, like, because they did it all back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And then they and went like, full-blown. And like I said, all lack of drama post-Tom dying wasn't any sort of drama anymore. And we also probably knew that he was going to die because he wasn't getting on the boat with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do like how that tied back together with how that led up to that moment at the start of the movie. But if they were gonna, if they had made it more linear, they could have really trimmed a little bit of that, mm-hmm. and we could have built to that natural fever pitch, and it would have actually artificially, considering so much of the movie feels artificial, it artificially would have felt a little bit more stressful if we just kept building and building and building to that last rush. Maybe. I What I actually thought was going to happen the whole time was I thought we were going to get this back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, up to the point where it sinks up, and then they weren't going to make it. I thought that's what was going to happen. It's possible. Um, I did wonder whether they would go that dark. Um, when, when you choose to not name your children and they're named boy and girl, you do wonder, because that is just as much... It's her coping me- mechanism, right, so it never yeah. feels... So she never actually feels like their mother so much as they're just their caretaker. Right. Um, and it desensitizes us to them as well because they're not real humans if they don't have names. Mm-hmm. That's like ingrained in us um, subconsciously. So I wondered whether that might make it possible. Again, is this going to be the movie about child murder? Um, until the point, like again, like I said, I never... Once it got to the point where they keep threatening to take off their masks, I actually never felt like they were going to. You know what's really ridiculous about that naming thing? Is the girl's name is fine. We get it. That makes sense. Um, Nothing for her to be alarmed about. Oh, cool. I have a name. The boy is old enough to remember Tom to then be named. When she said Tom, I have expected the boy to go, what? That's weird. (laughs) Oh, like that other guy who was with us for a long time and now isn't anymore? Tom's my dad? (laughs) Yeah. Well, he has no concept of what a dad is, so I, just, I suppose from that... They, they, uh, they did some pretty good homeschool in those five years, though. Did they? Considering. That's news to me. <laughs> Here, hold this bell. Don't take your blindfold off. The rules are not very... <laughs> hard. <laughs> and how good was the homeschooling, considering everything she asked them to do, they kept almost not doing? The little kids. Stay in the boat and don't move. I'm going to not stay in the boat, and I'm going to move. Don't lift your blindfold. I'm going to keep almost lifting my blindfold. <laughs> stay in the boat and don't move. I will give you five minutes of staying in the boat and not moving before I move and get out of the boat. And do that thing that is the one consistent thing you have to teach me from the moment I could, like, conceptually understand spoken word. Don't take off my blindfold. I'm going to just take it off now. Kids are curious. The kid has no reason to understand 
They have probably haven't come across another person that has seen whatever it was and then killed themselves. Yeah, but fear is a great motivator, right? That's and true. when your quote unquote mother um, basically acts like she's just gonna kill you if you don't take the thing off, or if you take the thing off, maybe don't take it off. I've got another interesting rule breaking situation for you. Go on. Tom. Yes. Fought it long enough to kill the guy from Ant Man and the Wasp. Yeah, that one was in there too. <laughs> um, Bobby I was Yaga. just willing to chalk it up to force of will that his he like had the force the greatest force of will of anyone that was like, you know, let me save these people who I love life. Um, but yeah, it's technically if not breaking the rules, bending the rules. But I actually liked it as kind of a testament to the strength of his love. Yeah, all right. <laughs> sure, sure. I I liked I did like that as well. But when you start to really tear it down, it's like, why did you get that one? <laughs> well, because again, like I said, at least there was a message behind it. Probably because the thing is, I, that's a problem. I have. That's a problem I have with this. Is very early in the movie, where it led to at least I was led to believe that this was going to end up being kind of an allegorical type movie, a la The Happening in a Quiet Place, which both have their messages. We won't get into the one for The Happening again if you don't want to have it spoiled for you. A Quiet Place, again, I don't want to get into too much, but you know, there's a message behind that, right? I thought the message in this one was going to be about isolation in society because they kind of really heavily lean into it with that first conversation between um, her and her sister, right? Uh, I realize I don't remember either of the names, Mallory and Jessica. Um, and then that doesn't come up at all ever again in the rest of the movie. Yeah. Because I thought that's what it was going to be all because, you know, like the quiet place about being quiet, there's a lot of different things people have read into all of that, and all of them I think got varying degrees of truth to them. Uh, I thought this one was going to end up being about isolation uh, in, in our society and this and that and how it affects us and stuff. Um, but typically, if you want to promote anti-isolationism, an entire movie about shutting your eyes is a great way to do it. <laughs> Where the, the message that's drummed into you the whole time is, don't look. Because, yeah. uh, again, without spoiling, the happening, there's something like that too, where it's like, there's a certain thing that they're promoting, and then at the end, you have to turn it on its head to survive. Um... In this one, that never comes back around, so that's not what's going on, obviously. Yeah, yeah. So, as far as messaging, again, when you said this movie made, you said it feels like it was made by a robot, that's the type of lacking in nuance um, and ulterior motive in some text that a robot would struggle with. It's funny, like, it has, yeah, it has, like, all these concepts that individual like enough groups would get that you could probably get a crazy diverse audience to watch it right where they would like um i thought the the conversation between sandra bullock and john malkovich's character in the kitchen was actually the most interesting part of the movie the one about his wives about her father that too yeah Um, yeah i know but that that particular i thought that was interesting that was like character exploration that i'm super into and then there was you know it has the horror enthusiasts based on friggin scary ass Gary but then there's uh 
the relationship like the sister and the sister's relationship and they're talking like, there's like little pockets of it as if it was just put together and then none of it ever really goes anywhere yeah there's a lot of things that make for the kernels the best the best way i could describe this movie is that it is definitely less than the sum of its parts because there's a bunch of parts here that could have made for a compelling movie yeah that they never add up to something compelling enough for me to justify the time I spent watching it. Agreed. Um, not again. Not that it was horrendous. There, like I said, there there was enough good there. Some of the horror suspense elements were pretty good. There was some scenes where I was definitely kind of on the edge of my seat, especially the scene with Gary going through the house. That's a legitimately great sequence. Uh, yeah, it is. And I I'm gonna say watching the movie. I was engaged, and overall, it's the aftermath that I think more about it, and then I'm like, eh, whatever. But there's two things that I need to talk about right quick. One, what is the creepiest thing that Gary did? Um, probably, oh, it's got to be when he forces that girl's eyes open. Yeah, that was pretty, that was pretty scary. For whatever reason... Uh, I don't know if I was desensitized by this point, by that point, but him kind of whistling and moseying about and then putting the birds in the freezer, creepy as hell to me. Yeah, I mean, sure. Um, I mean, also, you could make an argument, again, this is great acting. Um, I actually was very physically unsettled when he asks Mallory to give him the baby. Yep. And yep. she won't. He says, if you don't give it to me, I'm going to take it. Yeah. Like, that was, the like, the first time where it was not just, like, oh, this is a creepy thing, to, like, oh, this is a creepy thing. Yeah. <laughs> that was that was terrifying. Yeah, forcing the eyes open was like, terrifying. Like, I felt that well. viscerally. I, like, I believed in the moment, I'm going to come take your bitch. I remember there was a scene early on before, before you have any real reason to expect him, um, other than you're paying close enough attention. That when it ha- when it happened, I don't remember exactly what happened, but I was just like, oh, I don't like it. And Kim was like, what? I was like, this guy, this guy, <laughs> about Gary. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, the other thing that that and this really really like this is the one point where I think I actually said something out loud because I was frustrated, um, very angry, and it kind of ties into your, um, they can't touch you, so why are you running away thing. You get one trip in the forest. <laughs> if you do two, I might let it pass. But you did three. And you did three within two minutes. <laughs> and that is just unacceptable. <laughs> yes. Like, we saw this scene already. Stop it. I'm pretty sure you just put camera two on. And it was the same trip. It was like... I think this would have been within the episodes of Archer you watched. Do you remember the one with Burt Reynolds? I think so. When Burt Reynolds is dating Mallory. Uh-huh. Um, and Archer kidnaps him because he doesn't want her <laughs> dating him anymore. Mm. And then the rest of the group all gets attacked by a Cuban hit squad. Yep. And Burt Reynolds and Archer have to chase after them to save the day. And Burt's driving the car that Archer has, and Archer's like, no, no, this is even too much for me. No, adrenaline junkie. <laughs> they get under the scene on the bridge, and they're racing on the bridge, and Burrell's goes, watch out this little maneuver. And he, like, does the ga- the the gear, not Gears of War, I don't know, Grand Theft Auto, um, where you, like, 
hit the car in the back and tee it up and drive it, and it goes shooting off the bridge. Uh-huh. Like, oh, shit, that was badass. And they keep going on with the rest of the, the chase scene, and then they run into a, a, a car, and it goes off exactly the same way, and Archer goes, wait a minute, was that stock footage? <laughs> and <laughs> and like just laughs it off. Like, you That's know, awesome. It's very obviously the same exact car, shooting off the bridge in the exact same way and splashing the... It was very obviously recycled stuff. <laughs> I love it. Oh my god, that's so funny. Uh, anyway, that's all I've got on this movie. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess I, I tackled most of it. The only other thing is I just found it odd that um, for Sandra Bullock to be the leading reason that you're going to watch this movie other than all the other things that the algorithm is plucking your brain to get you to watch. Um, she's a really good actress. Yeah. And some of these scenes she did a really good job of. Um, especially all the stuff in the past. I She looked like she was mailing it in through the whole present. Hmm. With the kids. Like, the... She I, was shocked like a drill sergeant, like that very opening scene, and I was just like, geez, tone it down a little bit. Like, it's so put on. I, and, like, this happened a bunch of times throughout. I felt like hmm. that part of the storyline. Everything in the past storyline totally bought it i thought she nailed it all uh, yeah. including it like we said her relationship with john malkovich her relationship with javante Rhodes. um i thought she's done a really good job through all of that which is what made it so jarring that i felt like she did such a bad job in the present day storyline i don't know i didn't actually feel that way about the present i just thought that she was i thought it was a continuation of her completely distancing her distancing herself from boy and girl and like being more frustrated by their existence and the responsibility that she now bears, and the whole, ugh, I didn't want this, but well, I have to deal with this. That was certainly, the dialogue said that to me. Um, so from that aspect, they did a, a decent job of that, but, man, I just felt so hollow. Like I think hollow. I would have to rewatch it to see it exactly what you're talking about. It myself from it, because it was just like, yeah. wooden, I don't know. I would have to I would have to rewatch those scenes, um, which is not a thing that I'm gonna do. So unfortunately, no. I won't <laughs> I won't be able to. Really, I do think. I mean, this is gonna sound weird after all this talk. I think it's I actually think it's worth the watch, even if just for your own like education on what's like this this curiosity that Al's got with Netflix and their numbers. Um, I thought there were, like I said, there's pieces of the movie that are really good. I think there are, you could take certain clips, like I said, that that conversation between uh, Sandra Bullock and John Malkovich. I think that is actually really excellent exchange between two characters with really well-written dialogue. There's little chunks of that. There's like these weird vignettes through the movie that you can, that you can watch on their own that might, that standalone could be very interesting, but altogether it doesn't make a ton of sense. I um, am not going to refer you to watch this movie because... You could just watch A Quiet Place and The Happening, both movies that are not that good but are better than this one, um, which it's very obviously ripping off. And furthermore, you won't further their BS of their movie making, make them actually up their game and make good movies Mm. because that's why I refuse to watch Bright. It's why I refuse to watch any of the Adam Sandler movies. I'm not going to watch something that you're very obviously just trying to manipulate me into watching knowing that it's not good because you didn't actually take it seriously or maybe took it too seriously because Bright made itself look like it would be very much right for parody Hmm. and self-parody that it obviously didn't do based on what I read. 
Uh, and I don't want to contribute to those numbers because I don't want you to... Are they already fucking greenlit Bright 2, which, what the fuck? Um, I want them to make good things because they're capable of it. I hold them to a higher standard because I know they can do it. Right. Their TV is really good. A lot of it. I obviously haven't watched all of it. A lot of their original shows are really good. Mm-hmm. Why not do that but in a movie? I don't yeah. understand. Um, um, and with this sort of thing, like, you can't tell me that House of Cards or BoJack Horseman or any of those other shows that are really good are done by robots because they're not. <laughs> uh, well, I don't, I don't know. Hell, even, even the only one of their movies that has been any good was a comedy that came out this summer. It was called, I think it was To All the Boys I Loved Before. I watched it. My sister and her friend wanted to watch it. They wanted me to watch it. So I humored them because I make Joan watch a lot of stuff. Yep. It was legitimately good. It's not a great movie, but it was a legitimately was good. good comedy. Did you see it? No, I wanted to. I, I will say we that will we will keep on we will keep on this Netflix trend, and we will we will watch more and through we will watch more of their stuff through this lens because I think that's what's going to be important is to is to focus on it and see how many other things that come out fit this bill because I'd be very curious if that's the case. Um, I really hope that we're right about this. <laughs> and that and just, that comes just be out. Better because I know you're capable. That's my yeah. That's no, my I, I, I hear you. Um, that being said, I do need to circle back to one thing that you said. I know you didn't care for it, but I will reiterate. I thought that a quiet place was excellent. <laughs> and I think Listen, you need to I understand why people liked it, and I don't begrudge them that because there's yeah. enough quality in that movie. Why I get why you'd like it. It just wasn't for me. Yeah, and I, right. I obviously had more issues with the plot and the world than you did. That's fine. We a Quiet agree. Place like, wasn't for you. Bird Box is trying too hard to be for everyone. <laughs> yes. 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 Oh, man. We have to go out on that. <laughs> yes, <we have> <laughs> awesome. Well, that's it for this week's episode of Flicks in a Six. We hope you enjoyed yourselves. We'll be back next week for more movie and beer goodness. Until then, I'm Anthony Costanzo. Cheers.